Welcome to a talk from St Saviour's Sunbury. We hope that it blesses you. Good evening, everyone. Oh, I'm going to... Is this all right if I stand here and you can hear me fine? Not too loud. Um, my name's Joya, if you don't know me, and I, my day job is that I work for um, a charity called Kick. And we don't just do football, but we are a sports charity and we mainly work with young people in schools and in churches. So that's kind of my day job. Kick. Yeah, kick. Without the S. Yeah. (laughs) And um, I forgot what I was going to say, Billy. I was going to say that before I talk about um, serving, which was the title of today's talk, before I talk about that, I just want to tell you um, about my dad. So my dad, um, when I was growing up, would be the person that proofread my essays and was a bigger critic than my teacher, I think. Um, He was also the one that would... um, challenge me when I would go to make a decision and he'd always question my motives. So when I thought, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go study theology for a year um, and I'm going to go to a really good university and it looked all good on paper and I was really excited and I thought I'm making everyone really proud. Obviously there were more holy reasons that I was doing it as well. But, um, and I said to dad, dad, it's my first day at university again. I'm like really excited and he was like, great. So, you know, what is it that you know about God? And I said, well, that he loves me. And he was like, yeah. And what are you called to do? And I said, well, we're called to love other people, aren't we? Like, love God and love other people, right? And he said, yeah, so you know that, don't you? He said, isn't it interesting that people go off to university and they go to study the Bible and train um, in theology? And what do they come out with at the end? Love God, love other people. And you already know that, don't you? So just remember that. And I was like, why can't you just say good luck like everybody else's dad? <laughs> well, I, but I, I want to bring that context today because before you hear anything else that I say, can you please remember that God loves you first and that we are called to love God and love one another? That's your mandate. That's our call. That's our context that it comes out of not us working out how we can love one another, but knowing that we are loved by the creator of the universe first. And everything comes out of that. So if there's anything that I say today that hits a nerve or you think, well, I don't know, and that's okay if you think, oh, I don't know if I agree, that's fine. But please know it in that context that we all sit here going, God loves us first, and out of that, we find capacity to do all the other things. So, Jess, can you come and read to us, please? And you're going to have to... Yeah. I did need it, didn't I? Hello. So, the reading tonight is from Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 to 28. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling down, asked a favour of him. What is it you want? he asked. She said... Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those who have 
for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Thanks. If serving is below you, leadership is beyond you. I had the privilege at the start of the year to go to the Youth for Christ conference in Manchester. And we were hit with this one-liner. You had a room full of 400 leaders hearing, if serving is below you, then leadership is beyond you. I tried to find who actually said that quote, but the author remains anonymous. But I want you to imagine a room full of Christian leaders. If we could all lean in and think about leadership in terms of being servant leaders, I wonder what church would look like. The more time you spend with people, the more they rub off on you, right? And since being married, I've noticed that I tend to make Stephen-style jokes sometimes now. And he, he thinks that makes me more funny. I'm not so sure. He seems really pleased with himself and so proud of me. And I'm like, oh, not again. So when I think of these disciples spending time with Jesus, I just assumed that they would instant, like he would instantly rub off on them. But when I read some of what they say and do, it makes me realize that becoming more like Jesus is less instant and more of a process and an ongoing journey of transformation, which gives me hope. And on this occasion, the Zebedee boys, who were James and John, and were distinctively referred to as the Sons of Thunder because they had temper problems, are with their mum and they want to know where they rank amongst the other disciples and whether or not they can have two seats in heaven, either side of Jesus. I mean, they have given up the family trade to follow Jesus. Surely a heavenly seat was not out of the question. But rather than rank the disciples and make decisions about who is the greatest, he throws in a statement back to them and challenges them. So you want to sit at my right hand. Do you think that you can drink the cup that I'm going to drink? He had just, he just described to them what was going to happen to him. And they naively respond without thinking it through, yes. And I guess whilst they're eventually going to drink from that same cup, Jesus knew that he would die soon and that he would be betrayed by one of his disciples. He would be tried and not found guilty, yet falsely judged. He knew he would go on to be abused mentally and physically. All of these things were in that cup to drink. And they were not going to be able to drink that whole cup. And yet James and John, keeping company with the creator of the universe, walking alongside the Prince of Peace, they had seen Jesus at work. He had modeled the behavior he wanted, them to, he wanted to see in them. And yet their need for acknowledgement was still getting in their way of their calling. They were still wanting to be elevated for all of their hard work and good deeds for following Jesus. I read this and initially, what do I want to do? I want to judge the Zebedee boys for such an ego and reward-driven attitude. 
But very quickly, I find myself empathizing with them. After all, they had given up everything to follow Jesus, a security of a home and a job. They had done this wholeheartedly, and it seems natural, I suppose, to wonder about the treasures and rewards they would receive. Obviously, careful to only think about the ones they were storing up in heaven and not the ones on earth. I don't think that sounds so bad. I wonder how many of us in this room are looking around. I can see many of us in this room have made choices and sacrifices to follow the call of Jesus. Maybe we've left jobs, left home, left family, moved country, taken pay cuts just to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. I remember myself turning down, um, it was two years into teaching, and I got a job in a great school. Um, It would have been with friends that I trained with, and it was a higher paid job, and on paper looked like a better school. And um, I felt challenged, again, my dad challenged me, um, but I felt God say, stay and be consistent in the job that I've given you. Stay in the school that you started in because I placed you there and be there for the long haul. I stayed there 10 years in the end. I did it with full excitement, thinking that the next day at work was going to be like living the dream, like I'm following Jesus, this is going to be so great, I've made the right decision. And I thought I'd see confirmation that I wasn't uh, supposed to leave. Wrong. I had the worst day ever. Everything went wrong. And whilst people, I guess, were pleased that I'd stayed, I was expecting the kids to be like, we're so glad you're not leaving, Miss. you're like the best teacher ever. I think I came away feeling like the worst teacher ever. Um, And I guess I tried to at least hope in the encouragement that God at least recognizes what I'd done. And that would have been enough to keep me going. But looking to be elevated in perhaps a different way. And I appreciate that it's a bit uncomfortable to talk about ego and status and true humility. But it is worth us feeling a little uncomfortable to lean into what God might be whispering to us. Because if we can't talk about it, the enemy can get a foothold in it. And Maybe you've been in situations like me where you felt frustrated that situations haven't gone your way feel like you've done everything right. I throw my hands up in confusion. I did it all right. I said all the right things. I helped all of the right people. I made the right sacrifices. I worked so hard, and I did it all without making a big deal out of it. So how has it still all gone this way? Despite wanting to serve, I still want God to notice me. In fact, sometimes God noticing me wasn't all that I needed. We are human. I'm human. And what we need to do is keep talking to God about how we feel when we feel like that. Jesus reassures the boys that ultimately the places that God has prepared for us are not for us to earn or to know about. All we need to know that our Father in heaven has a house with many rooms and he has prepared a place for us. And what I find interesting is that the more they think about leading, the more he talks about serving He wades right into their ego and he reminds them that in God's kingdom, everything is upside down. In God's kingdom, you love those who hate you. In God's kingdom, you turn the other cheek. In God's kingdom, you heal on the Sabbath. In God's kingdom, you search for the missing one. In God's kingdom, the Samaritan is the hero. 
In God's kingdom, it's the meek who will inherit the earth. In God's kingdom, it's the father who picks up his dish dash and runs towards the son who shamed him. In God's kingdom, it's Jesus who washes the mud and grime from his disciples' feet. In God's kingdom, it's the son of God who dines with the tax collectors. In God's kingdom, if you want to be great, you must become a servant. Because if serving is below you, then leadership is beyond you. We are all called to the same thing. We're all called to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Not some of us, but all of us. It's also true that we're all supposed to serve. It's not a call to leadership for one and a servanthood for others, but service for all of us. In fact, a good leader is a servant first. And this was mind-blowing stuff. In God's kingdom, everything is upside down, you see especially in a context where wealth and success meant that you actually had servants. And I think it's mind-blowing even now. If you think you lead, we should become servants. I wonder what this would look like. How would it impact our families and our workplaces if we gave ourselves to the service of others? For me, it's been a real privilege to have been part of this church since 2006. As this is what I have seen modelled by so many here, which makes it really funny that I'm standing here talking to you guys, because I've seen a lot of you model this to me. Thank you so much for showing me that serving is, must be the part of the core of who I am. And I look to Jesus' example here because just before the passage we heard, Jesus crouched down and he washed the feet of his disciples to their disdain of why are you doing this. And he explained that he wanted them to do likewise. And I was reading this today and thinking, I feel really challenged by that kind of service, the kind that goes unnoticed, the messy serving that's inconvenient, that doesn't fit in the diary. And yet Jesus says, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. Which sounds really poetic, doesn't it? But it's sacrificial serving. Often serving doesn't fit neatly into our diaries. It doesn't fit neatly into mine. And sometimes I need to sacrifice something for, to allow me to serve. Before you all shoot me down, I know I'm treading into territory which says, where I say things about sacrifice, and it's going to seem like I haven't considered that many of us, many of you, are on the edge of burnout, or maybe you are burnt out. And so another talk on sacrifice and serving feels really heavy. But here's the thing, I don't think we can run to avoid the challenge. Jesus said it. I agree, he might not have said if serving is below you, leadership is beyond you, but he definitely said if you want to become great, then you have to become a servant. But good hermeneutics means that you allow Scripture to interpret Scripture. So we don't read any of those verses without any context. Jesus has already led us with a response to burnout and burnout prevention. He says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, 
and my burden is light. And I love it. I'm going to read it from the message translation as well. Because this might be you. Maybe we could just close our eyes. Are you tired, worn out, or burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you will recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you will learn to live freely and lightly. None of this serving that I'm talking about should happen in our own strength. Jesus is our strength. He is our capacity to serve. He is where the recharge comes from. He understands that when we serve, we might become weary. So find rest in him. He understands that when we take on more than we should, we should take on his yoke. Each verse that we read is never to be taken without all of Jesus' teaching because he isn't contradicting himself. You see, in God's kingdom, everything is upside down. God is love, and God shows us grace, and he understands our capacity. And it is also true that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. In God's kingdom, when you bring five loaves and two fish and a heart of service, sacrifice, and generosity, 5,000 people get fed. One well, of my favorite verses, Jesus says, people will know that you belong to me by the way you love one another. And I love this verse. And yet as I was writing this, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about all the ways that I love people through word and deed, through messages. Would they know that I belong to Jesus from the way that I love the people around me? The way, not that I just love my friends and family, but my neighbours, the people I work with, the schools I go into, the trains that I take. How am I doing for time? Great. <laughs> At this conference that I went to, there was a story told of a lady who was at the trial of a man who had brutally killed her husband and, two, and her son in two separate acts. Her son was shot dead and her husband stolen from her home to, and two years later, she was dragged to watch him die. Her husband's last words before they burnt him was, Father, forgive them. In the courtroom, the judge asked the woman, if there is anything she would like to say to the man who had robbed her of everything she loved. And she replies, I want three things. I want first to be taken to the place where my husband's body was burnt so that I can gather up the dust and give him a decent burial. And then continues, my husband and son were my only family. So secondly, I would like to take this man 
to become my adopted son. I would like for him to come twice a month to the ghetto and spend a day with me so that I can pour out on him whatever love I have still remaining within me for the rest of our years. And finally, she says, tears welling up in her eyes. I want a third thing. I would like him to know that I offer him my forgiveness because Jesus Christ died to forgive. This was also my husband's wish. The response of the room that I was in when we heard that story was bizarre. It was like all of a sudden the atmosphere had shifted and grown men and women were on the floor, broken in tears. And uh, after that time had passed, our team um, of about 40 met together and we just talked about what we'd heard and what we took away from it. And I heard our team say, we want to learn how to love and how to serve each other better. We want to love sacrificially and concern ourselves with serving and not leading. We want to serve like Jesus. They were not talking, we went to a leadership conference, they were not talking about leading despite being leaders. They were talking about learning how to serve. You see, serving one another and loving one another are woven together. And I find it really interesting that we can hear a story like that and think, I don't even know where I placed myself in that story and whether or not I could ever do that. And yet, I think it's really powerful that she says that it is because of Jesus. And that brings me back to our context, that we know that he first loves us and everything pours out of that. A few years ago, I was on PCC and we would talk about serving in church. And I care about the same things then Um, as I do now. Let's learn how to serve one another in our everyday situations, not just once a month in church. Let's get good at loving each other and serving each other out of the overflow of resting in Jesus and soaking in his love. This will in turn fill our rotors because it is from a joy of serving and people will know that we belong to Jesus because we are marked by the way we love one another. Because serving one another and loving one another are woven together. Let's pray. Maybe God is whispering to you about status and being noticed and the need for recognition from humans and he wants, to, wants you to lay it down so that you can be the best leader you can be. Let him show you how to serve your team. Maybe you've stepped out in faith and it feels like you've been forgotten and it feels like you've somehow become unknown. Maybe he wants you to rekindle the joy you once had for serving him without anyone noticing. Maybe you are feeling burnt out and you can hear him saying, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Maybe you know exactly who and where you should be serving and you need to step out and do it. Look to Jesus for your capacity. Maybe you're struggling with family or where you work and you're finding it hard to serve as you've become disillusioned. Ask Jesus to show you how you can serve and what love looks like. I don't know where we're all at, but I do believe that God is whispering individually to each one of us in a way that is clear to us and nudging us 
and he knows where each of us are at. So I just pray now, Father God, would you just meet us where we're at? Would you challenge us about the things we need to be challenged about? And would you affirm us where we need to hear your um, Father heart right now? And Father God, above all, would you help us remember that you first loved us, that we only ever have capacity to love because you first loved us and you loved us in an unconditional, unimaginable way. And there's nothing that we could ever do that would ever undo that. Amen. For more information about St. Saviour's, please visit our website at www.stsaviorsunbury.org.uk.